0: Today we'll talk about some past civilizations that were quite different from ours. And of course, in the larger scheme of things, uh, they still exist in the now. The entity Seth addressed these uh, back in 1974 in the 708th session. Let's take a look at what he had to say. Consciousness, connected with the flesh then, has great leeway spiritually and biologically and can focus itself in many ways, with and through the flesh, beside your own particular orientation. There have been highly sophisticated, developed civilizations that would not be apparent to you because the main orientation was mental or psychic, while the physical race itself would seem to be highly undeveloped. Now the point he's making there is that our particular civilization focuses heavily on the uh, materialization of our thoughts and our desires in physical things uh, in physical roads and airports and god knows what anything that you can care to think of while other civilizations have taken different routes some of them They focus mainly on the mental and the psychic, and they don't pay that much attention to the physical. So we think, you know, gee, if there's no physical there, how much civilization and advancement and development can there be? But the point he's making is that there can be a tremendous amount of advancement and development. It's just not in material form. And next he discussed hibernating civilizations. Here it is. In some of their own private dreams, many of my readers will have discovered a reality quite as vivid as the normal one, and sometimes more so. These experiences can give you some vague hint of the kind of existence I am speaking of. There are also physical apparatuses connected with the hibernation abilities of some animals that can give further clues as to the possible relationships of consciousness to the body. Under certain conditions, for example, consciousness can leave the corporal mechanism while it remains intact, functioning, but at a maintenance level. When optimum conditions return, then the consciousness reactivates the body. Such behavior is possible not only with the animals. In systems different from your own, there are realities in which physical organisms are activated after what would seem to you to be centuries of inactivity, again, when the conditions are right. To some extent, your own life and death cycles are simply another aspect of the hibernation principle, as you understand it. Your own consciousness leaves the body almost in the same way that messages leap the nerve ends. The consciousness is not destroyed in the meantime. Well, you can't help but think of... uh, bears when he talks of hibernation, and uh, really the, the bears try to fill themselves up with salmon and then uh, hibernate and sleep for a long time, leaving their bodies uh, inactive but intact. And I also think in terms of Bob Monroe and his out-of-body journeys, where he would be gone a while, uh, but his body would remain intact. A portion of his consciousness supported the functions of the physical body. But here he's describing civilizations that will have their physical organisms hibernate, not just for a season, as the bears do, or not just for an hour or so, as Bob Monroe did, right? but they would let their physical bodies hibernate for perhaps centuries of our time. If we came across them, I don't know whether we would think they were dead or in a coma or sleeping, Uh, That is, if we could come across them. At any rate, there were civilizations that hibernated for centuries of our time, and uh, when they chose, they would reactivate it. Uh, Next, Seth talks about how our bodies die many times during a lifetime. Here are his comments. Now, in the case of an animal who hibernates, the body is in the same state. But in the greater hibernation of your own experience, the body as a whole becomes inoperable. The cells within you obviously die constantly. The body that you have now is not the one that you had 10 years ago. Its physical composition has died completely and many times since your birth, but again, your consciousness bridges those gaps. They could be accepted instead, in which case it would seem to you that you were, say, a reincarnated self at age 7 or 14 or 21. The particular sequence of your own awareness follows through, however. In basic terms, the body dies often, and as surely as you think it dies but once in the death you recognize. On numerous occasions it physically breaks apart, but your consciousness rides beyond those, quote, deaths. You do not perceive them. The stuff of your body literally falls into the earth many times, as you think it does only at the, quote, end of your life. So he's pointing out that with our particular consciousness, uh, our awareness bridges the gaps between these many uh, decompositions and rebuildings of the physical body that happen during what we call a lifetime. He continues, Again, your own consciousness triumphantly rides above those deaths that you do not recognize as such. In your chosen three-dimensional existence, however, and in those terms, your consciousness finally recognizes a death. From the outside, it is nearly impossible to to pinpoint that intersection of consciousness and the seeming separation from the body. There is a time when you, as a consciousness, decide that death will happen, when in your terms, you no longer bridge the gap of minute deaths that were not accepted. He then continues to to discuss how we have a preset notion of how long the body is going to last, and therefore uh, our lifetimes and our notion of death is quite different from other civilizations. So he continues, Here consciousness decides to leave the flesh to accept an official death. You have already chosen a context, however, and it seems that that context is inevitable. It appears then that the body will last just so long and no longer. The fact remains that you have chosen the kind of consciousness that identifies with the flesh for a certain period of time. Other species of consciousness, of a different order entirely, and with a different rhythm of experience, would think of a life in your terms as a day, and have no trouble bridging that gap between apparent life, death, and new life. So what he's describing here uh, may well apply to other species of consciousness, but as you might know from previous episodes, he's also beginning to describe the consciousness of what I've called the big self, that understands it has different focus personalities like you and me going on at the same time, and they're living and dying, but the big self knows itself uh, as living and conscious the whole time fact he he actually says that in the first sentence of uh, the discussion that i'll continue he says some individuals find themselves with memories of other lives which are other days to the soul such persons become aware of a greater consciousness reaching over those gaps that's the big self and realize that earthly experience can contain a knowledge of existence in more than one body and of course the the big The big self knows it has a lot of physical bodies going on uh, with various focused personalities in different uh, times and places uh, with different characteristics. Inherently, then, consciousness affiliated with the flesh can indeed carry such comprehensions. The mind of man, as you know it, shows at least the potential ability for handling a kind of memory with which you are not usually acquainted. This means that even biologically, the species is equipped to deal with different sequences of time while still manipulating within one particular time scheme. This also implies a far greater psychological richness, quite possible again within corporal reality, that's ours, in which many levels of relationships can be handled. Such inner knowledge is inherent in the cells, and in ordinary terms of evolution it's quite possible as a quote future development so he's making the point that we as focused personalities just as we are today have the potential to develop an awareness of the lives of other selves that are other other focused personalities that are also part of the big self so we can become aware of these regardless of the time in which they uh, materialize on the earth. Now he goes on to make another point about how every single human, every single human uh, is like a universe in ourselves and we have fantastic potential. Here's what he says. Knowledge is usually passed down through the ages in your reality through books and historic writings, yet each individual contains within himself or herself a vast repository direct knowledge of the past, in your terms, through unconscious comprehension. The unknown reality, much of that reality is unknown to you simply because your beliefs close you off from your own knowledge. The reaches of your own consciousness are not limited. Because you accept the idea of a straight-line movement of time, you cannot see before or after what you think of as your birth or death yet your greater consciousness is quite aware of such experience. Ideally, it's possible not only to remember past lives, but to plan future ones now. In greater terms, all such lives happen at once. Your present neurological structure makes this seem impossible, yet your inner consciousness is not so impeded. So every one of us is capable of expanding our awareness To include not just the past but also the future and the past and futures and the presence of some of the other lives that the soul is experiencing through its various incarnate selves. And of course in larger terms if we remember that this is all happening at once it seems a little bit less wondrous that we could be aware of all these realities. Uh, Seth went on then to describe a practice element, and I won't go over that, but I'll just uh, repeat a couple of sentences. He said, In larger terms, there are other entire lives which for you are forgotten essentially as yesterday is. These two, however, are a secondary series of activities riding beneath your present primary concern. They are as unconsciously a part of your present and as connected with it as yesterday is. So he's saying that uh, past lives that we've forgotten are still uh, alive within our consciousness. Uh, we're just not aware of them in our present situation, but they do affect us in some way uh, via what we might call the subconscious or a secondary reality. One other, there's one other um, surprising point he makes uh, in that uh, suggestion of, of a practice element. He says, to other portions of yourself, you would seem to be a sleepwalker. Full creative participation in any moment, however, awakens you to your own potentials and therefore allows you to experience a unity between your own consciousness and the comprehension of your physical cells. Those cells are as spiritual as your soul is. Well, I don't know about you, but I have never thought of the cells of my physical body being as spiritual as my soul is. Of course, he prefaced that by talking about uh, the uh, comprehension of the cell, the unity, rather, between the consciousness of the cells and our own consciousness, and the fact that our own consciousness rides upon the consciousness of all the cells. And as you know from past uh, episodes, uh, we know that every single cell has a memory of everything it's ever been a part of. So there's a lot of non-material or, quote, spiritual uh, reality in the cells as there is in us. You might recall discussions of a consciousness gestalt, or the degree of complexity of consciousness. And as humans, we have a degree of complexity of our consciousness that is greater uh, than the uh, consciousness of the cells. That's a smaller gestalt, so to speak. But theirs uh, is maybe larger in, in a sense, uh, if you could think of that. Uh, it seems kind of funny to say larger when you're talking about a cell. But uh, th- theirs is, is, is uh, a more expansive, let's say, in that they have knowledge of every uh, entity they've been a part of whether it's a human body, a leaf, an animal, or a plant, or whatever. So anyway, with that, I'm going to close uh, today's discussion. And once again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you Lessons from the Helpful Dead.